0: Welcome to the Close Set Podcast. My name is Themistoklis Alexis. On today's episode, we will be revisiting and celebrating the life and work of the great Greek filmmaker, Yanni Ikonomidi. <laughs> To the program. It's good to be back. It's been a busy month, as per usual, and uh, we're coming off a good month. Record number of downloads have come in of late. Again, not bar phone numbers because, you know, goes without saying that I am small potatoes. Uh, but still, very lovely to see. Thank you very much for uh, your support. Thank you very much for tuning in. It is greatly appreciated, and as per usual, uh, we've had uh, listeners from all over. We've had downloads from Russia, Italy, France. Uh, a lot of downloads have come in from Greece as of late. I imagine my, one of my cousins is uh, partly responsible for that. Uh, a lot of people from the States, Germany, Israel, Portugal, you name it, really. Uh, and it is, uh, it is wonderful to see. So thank you very much. And uh, I just want to remind you before we get down to it, wherever you get your podcast, whatever your platform of choice is, please like, subscribe, uh, leave a rating and review, please. Don't be afraid to leave comments. Uh, Any little bit that you can do to help the show rank a little better uh, so I can get some more eyes on it is greatly appreciated. And, of course, the show is available wherever you get your podcasts. I mean, I I assume if you've made it this far, uh, you are probably well aware of that. And so today's order of business, I'm breaking a rule today. The director we're going to be covering, Yanni Konomili, is an exception to uh, the theme of this show, of this podcast. Uh, He is a contemporary director one of the few we've covered this far who is still living, and in fact, uh, he's fairly young, he's in his 50s. But it's not a rule I intend to break too often. You know, the show, as you know, if you've listened before, primarily covers directors who worked mostly between the 30s and 80s. For one thing, I do like to mix up my programming, and there will be the occasional director, who doesn't really fall into that timeline, or who is, you know, a contemporary director. There's going to be a few, there's going to be a I want to do an episode on Mary Heron at some point, uh, Athenar Achilles who's another Greek director I like very much, Paul Schrader, I've been thinking about recently, uh, and a few others. But it's like I said, it's not going to be a habit. It's going to happen on occasion, and I do like to mix up my programming and try not to do consecutive directors who share similarities in terms of, you know, uh, eras and themes and such. But in any case, I just wanted to clear that up at the top of the show before we get down to it. So, Yanni Konomidi, he's an acclaimed Greek director. Uh, not very well known across the pond. However, he is one of several directors who are credited uh, as key figures in this sort of resurgence in Greek cinema that's taken place over the past 15 to 20 years. Yorgo Lanthimo is probably the biggest name that's come out of Greece of late. He got nominated for an Oscar for Best Director, actually, a couple of years ago for uh, his film The Favorite, which is great. But Lanthimo and uh, Zagari and a few of those other directors, are they're all part of what critics have called the Greek weird wave, you know, these sort of quirky and absurdist films. Uh, but Economidi doesn't really fall into that mold, he's more of a, let's call him a modern realist, for lack of a better term. His films are, uh, can be pretty bleak at times, in fact, uh, quite often that's the case, and they deal primarily with the darker sides of human nature, and there are many manifestations in modern Greece. And he has directed five films, five feature films in his career, and we are going to be covering all five of them today, and they are in order, Spiritokuto, which translates to Matchbox, Psychistostoma, the English title of that is Soul Kicking, Majerov Galtis, or Knifer in English, Tomikropsari, or Stratos in English, and Ibalada de otherwise known as <laughs> Ballad for a Pierced Heart in English. And as per usual, as we've done with foreign directors thus far, and as we will continue to do over the course of this program, uh, the clips you're going to hear from the films and interviews with the Economiti are going to be uh, in Greek, of course, and in, in their original language. Uh, That's how I like to keep it. I like to avoid using dubbed clips. But, of course, I'm going to provide the context and set them up, since most of you, of course, don't speak Greek. Uh, And so let's get down to it. We will start at the beginning as per usual, so let us boogie. Now, Economide was born in 1967 in Cyprus, in uh, the town of Limassol, or Lemessol, as we say in Greek. And he was the oldest of three kids. His father was a dentist, and uh, according to Economide, a very talented artist as well. The family actually lived through the Cypriot coup d'etat, which uh, went down in 1974, that was seven years old at the time. And basically what happened was the Cypriot National Guard, and with support of, uh, of the Greek armed forces, they overthrew the Cypriot government of Archbishop Makarios, the intention being to formally unite Cyprus and Greece, basically as a, as a single nation. And this came at the end of Greece's own military, Huda, which had run from 1967 to 1974. Uh, the Huda collapsed shortly after the uh, the coup d'état in Cyprus, but in any case. So Economidi grew up in Cyprus, and he was anxious to leave there from a very, very young age. He basically wanted to get out at the first opportunity, and so after completing his mandatory military service, it's mandatory in Cyprus and in Greece, Economidi left Cyprus at 19 years old to go uh, to go to university in Athens. And he had intended to, uh, to study at the Athens School of Fine Art, uh, although his parents resisted, they were not for it, and... He ended up doing it their way and uh, studying law for two years, and of course, he hated it, and he was pining for an excuse to leave law school. And one day, he found out about a film school that was run by a Greek director named Evgenia Hadziku, and uh, he saw a sign by total fluke on a trolley ride on Leoforo Alexandras, which is a major uh, thoroughfare in Athens. And uh, he registered for it the next day, much to his parents' chagrin. They were not pleased with it, to the point where they went two years without speaking. And so Economidi began making short films and documentary films in his early 20s, the first of which was a short documentary titled Calimera Nichta, which translates to Hello Night or Good Day Night, and this came out in 1990. That was followed fairly quickly in 1992 with a short film titled Stadiaki Tou Tuqueru Gradual Improvement in the Weather, and this was starring the great Greek actor Gerasimos Kadarese. And this short film of Economy, this is sophomore effort, uh, won an award at the Drama Film Festival in Greece. And the prize was to direct a half-hour documentary for the television station Ert in Greece. And that documentary came in 1994, and it is called Monomirisodas Yasemi," which translates to Only Smelling Jasmine. And uh, it was a half-hour documentary for television, and it was shot in these abandoned lockups in Athens that dated back to the German occupation of World War II. And the year after that, Economide was commissioned to do a documentary titled I Joi The Life You'd Like, and he actually went back to Cyprus for this. And it was an hour-long documentary, and it basically covered the relations between uh, the Greeks and Turks in Cyprus and the recent history and how those relations changed both before and after the coup of 1974. And Economide did some work in television as well, and he began writing uh, a script for his first feature film after making these shorts and documentaries although his first attempted feature film ended up falling through because of some disagreements with uh, the woman he had been writing the script with. And so eventually he went it alone. He uh, basically decided to make his first film on his own with what little resources he had, and this was at age 35, and that film was Spirtokuto, Matchbox, which came out in 2002. Now, this film is set in Corridalo, which is a, a suburb of Athens, and it's on a sweltering hot day in the home of a man named Dimitri. Owns a coffee shop in the neighborhood, and he's basically this this patriarch of a dysfunctional and very, very toxic family. And over the course of this film, the story runs one day, and during this one day, we watch pretty much his entire family go at it. And of course, disaster strikes. Dimitri keeps trying to assert himself as this sort of omnipotent patriarch of his family, you know, he clashes with his wife, he slaps his daughter after hearing her berate a friend of hers over the phone. He butts heads with his idiot son.
1: to
0: and,
1: you,
2: and, girl, the
0: and not just that, a mentally fragile relative of his wife lives with them. And of course, uh, Dimitri's wife Maria wants her gun.
2: <laughs>
0: and so, after several confrontations ensue in this house between Dimitri and Maria, Dimitri and his daughter, in fact, right after he strikes her, his wife Maria snaps at him, and in a very, very humiliating scene, she tells him that their daughter is in
1: his. <laughs> η 2 παιδιά μεγάλος, όπως πρέπει να είναι οι άξια τέρμα από εδώ και προς αναλάματο εγώ η κυκή θα κάνει αυτό που λέω εγώ είμαι πατέρας, της συνυ opporριομένη αυτό που λέω εγώ είμαι και θα κάνει αυτό που λέω εγώ, πατέρας είμαι και αυτό που λέω εγώ. ο
2: πατέρας της ρε σκατάεις ο πατέρας της μόνον εγώ ξέρω ποιος είναι ο πατέρας της ρε μόνον εγώ μόνον εγώ δεν είναι δικός παιδί η κυκή, ρε. And
0: Dimitri of course has a mental break. Upon hearing the news, he snaps. And unfortunately more confrontations and cacophony ensue. We see him beginning to sort of to unravel, not that he was, you know in tip-top mental shape at the beginning of this of this story. And after this long, tumultuous, disastrous, and exhausting day, the film ends, and not only do we see that Dimitri and Maria are basically going to stay together, we come to understand that these kinds of days, these kinds of confrontations are commonplace. They're probably a daily occurrence. We see Dimitri sitting down by himself, casually eating his ice cream in total silence, and we're basically left with the realization that this is this is their daily life. It's, it's wash, rinse, repeat. And so basically, the, you, you know, you can summarize this film as an hour and 20 minutes worth of just cacophony from, from a dysfunctional middle-class family. You know, you have Dimitri in all his impotent anger. He's trying to earn everybody's respect and, you know, make it known that his way is how it's going to be. And, of course, he wants to feel like he's in control, to put it in the simplest of terms. But, of course, he tries to do that by shouting at his family and ordering them around. And, of course, his wife Maria doesn't respect him. And rightfully so. And at the beginning of the film, early on, she seems to be sort of, uh, she seems to be a little hurt by him over his treatment of her. She accuses him of shutting her out and kind of neglecting her and not showing her any respect.
1: You don't have to say anything. Don't worry
2: about it. The magazine is <laughs> running. We open it.
0: You open it.
2: What's up for me? But for me, Maria. For you, to do it. Το σου μήνε το κανονίζεις και δεν ήθεσες μία φορά να ρωτήσεις τη γνώμη μου, μία φορά Καλά εδώ μέσα δεν είσαι, δεν τα ακούσει Άλλο αυτό Μου είπες τη γνώμη σου και εγώ δεν σ' άκουσα Άλλο αυτό Τι άλλο αυτό που σου λέω εγώ Γιατί δεν ήθεσες να με ρωτήσεις, ε, γιατί <ΣΣΣ> Δεν μετράω, ε Πώς την έχεις δει δηλαδή, για να καταλάβω Με γράφεις, με έχει γραμμένη κανονικά Εντάξει, δεν το σκέφτηκα Ε, βέβαια
0: and in a moment of pure resentment, a very vindictive moment, she humiliates him and emasculates him in basically the cruelest way that she can by telling him that their daughter isn't his. But the thing is, the, the, the tragic thing about this is that ultimately they're both resigned to their fates, even after their whole relationship implodes. You know, what it comes down to is these two people were, would rather go at each other's throats every day and stick with the devil they know, you know, as, as opposed to sort of parting ways and starting over. Because again, that's a life-changing decision. And in some ways, that might be scarier, it might be more daunting than taking the plunge, going Splitsville and going your own way. And so let's talk about the cast quickly. So Erico Orlizzi plays Dimitri. He's the, he's the leading man in this. He got into acting late. He had worked in radio for a time. He had done some work in community theater as well. But I don't think he sort of fully committed to acting and were suited until he was around 40. And I think in an interview, I remember him saying that he didn't actually give acting a go until his parents had passed away and he was well into adulthood by then. Uh, he plays Dimitri in this, and he is absolutely fantastic. Like I said, in all his his shouting and his impotent anger, and as belligerent and as combative as he is, he's really just sort of pathetic. And I've also heard Litsi describe Dimitri as a sort of domestic fascist, you know, a fascist in his own home, which is a, a perfect way of describing it. Uh, Eleni Kokidu plays his wife Maria, and she is great in this as well. She's been uh, she's done a lot of work in television. She was in a long running uh, Greek sitcom called Minar Murmura, which really doesn't do justice to her talents, but that's beside the point. Anyway, she is uh, she is great in this as well, and she is a worthy adversary to Dimitri. She gives as good as she gets, if not, if not better. Costas komino plays Yorgo who is Dimitri's brother-in-law and Maria's brother. He and Dimitri own the coffee shop together, and he shows up at the beginning of the film. The two of them have plans to expand and open a fancy restaurant in the neighborhood, and Yorgo's a bit wishy-washy on the idea. He's a little uncertain, and he gets cold feet. And, of course, when he tells Dimitri this, and, you know, ultimately decides to back out, what ensues is, uh, you know, more shouting from Dimitri. (laughs) εμείς καφέδες μας τις μπύρες μας τα
1: τα κολπα μας Με τους καφέδες εμείς. Δεν θα κάνουμε παραπέρα. Δεν θα κάνουμε ζωή μας. Τώρα στα το we have a Greek
0: who is a fantastic Greek actress. She plays Kiki. Dimitri and Maria's daughter. She isn't in it for very long. It's a brief but memorable appearance, and we see her berating a friend of hers over the phone, just going at it and tearing into her. And Ageliki Papoulia, for those who are familiar with Yorgo Lanthimo's work, she was the leading lady in his film Alps. Or Alpis in Greek, which is one of Lanthimos' better films. I think it deals with grief, and it's she's
2: great in it, and she's very good in this as well.
0: Uh, we have Yanni Voulgaraki, who's an economy, the regular, a member of his uh, sort of stock company. He plays Vageli who works for Dimitri at the coffee shop and he gets called to Dimitri's house early in the morning and Dimitri basically sits him down almost like he's some kind of, some kind of mob boss to talk to Vageli about this, uh, this girl that he's been seeing and, and that he's impregnated and he ba- he's basically trying to make Vageli's decisions for him. What's going on, guys? I'm going to the road with the
1: Albanida? On the road, Αν το μάθει μάνα μου, να πάθει κανένα κεφαλικό. Να του φρικάρουμε τελείω, να πούμε. Σιγάρε, σέφιασε ο πόνο για τη μάνα σου. σα ίσα που θα χαρείτε για κοπέλα που θα πάρει, δεν είναι. Μην κάτσε, Δημήτρη. Με συγχωρεί πάρα πολύ, αλλά εσύ μιλά, λε και ξέρει πω το παιδί είναι δικό μου τώρα. Εγώ είμαι βέβαιο. Και πώ είσαι βέβαιο. Μου το είπε η Λίντα. Στο είπε Λίντα. Και τι έγινε που το είπε η Λίντα? Την πιστεύω. Την πιστεύει. Και άμα δηλαδή σου έλεγε πω το παιδί είναι του Λουκά, τι θα έκανε.
0: Τότε εκεί που κάθεσες, εσύ θα καθόταν ο Λουκά. We have Stavro Yaguli, who plays Luca, Dimitri's shithead son. And lastly, we have Joanna Ivanudi, who plays Margarita, who is uh, Maria's mentally ill cousin who who lives with them. And Maria wants her gone. She's sick of her. And in sort of retaliation after that big confrontation that she and Dimitri have, Maria basically lies to Margarita about Dimitri and says that tells her that, in fact, it's him who wants her out of the house and not Maria. And so the film takes place entirely in their house in Corridaló. The shots are framed in a way where everything seems, where everything feels very claustrophobic and very tense. And it basically feels like these people are in a pressure cooker for an hour and 20 minutes. And making this film was a very difficult experience for Economidia. Of course, he was a a first-time feature filmmaker with this project. He went into debt so he could have the capital to to finish the film. He threw himself into the project. It basically consumed him. They had a very, very long rehearsal period. It was a long shoot and, naturally, took a lot out of the actors because of everything that they're asked to do and the sort of reprehensible behavior that they all engage in over the course of this film. In fact, uh, Elen Coquid, who plays Maria, the wife... According to Economidi, she fainted as soon as they'd finished shooting the scene where she confronts Dimitri and tells him that their daughter isn't his. And uh, not just that, even in post-production, after the film was shot, Economidi ran into trouble uh, during mixing, and there were delays. I think he had some setbacks that pushed the film back something like six or seven months. And so it was a very, very difficult uh, experience for Economidi. When it came out, it didn't exactly get a a raucous reception, but it's earned a, a pretty substantial following over the years, and it is heralded today as one of the best films to have come out of Greece in the past 20 years. In fact, it's, this year was its 20th anniversary, and it's a great first effort from him. But it's exhausting. <laughs> With all the shouting and just this... and all these fucking incessant confrontations that take place over this hour and 20 minutes, you will feel... you'll feel spent after watching it. But it's certainly worth a watch. And so, like I said, it was a very trying experience for economy the making of Spiritokuto. But... He got it done, the film was completed, it saw the light of day, and it kind of emboldened him to do something a little more daring with his sophomore effort, and that film was Ipsychistostoma, which doesn't translate to soul-kicking. The word-for-word translation is the soul in the mouth, but the the English title is Soul Kicking, and this came out in 2006, and it follows Taki, who's a working-class guy, and uh, he's got nothing but problems. He has a baby with a wife who can't stand him, wants absolutely nothing to do with him. Again, there seems to be a, a pattern of sorts emerging here. She is serially unfaithful to him. Taki owes money to a guy in the neighborhood who's pressing him to repay him. And of course, Taki doesn't have the money. And he's trying to get other people to lend him the money to cover the debt. But of course, you know, it's no dice.
2: Not 300, 1300,
3: i not to I don't
2: have it, don't maria I'll start to but τώρα δεν έχω τι να σου κάνω you. But my friend, make a little bit of a man of God. Find yourself a little bit. What do you want, baby? I'm talking you, baby. Make a little bit of a man of God. And on
0: top of all that, his Sister and his brother-in-law are pressuring him to take in his other sister, who is mentally ill, mentally unstable, and living with them. And of course they want her gun. Another similarity with Spiritokuto. <laughs> And all this to say that Taki's basically getting it from all sides. And he is on his own. The cavalry ain't coming. He's got a million and one problems. He gets abused and humiliated at every turn by just about everybody in his life. And the few people who kind of, sort of, like him, or the one guy that's the closest thing he has to a friend, even they're totally selfish. They don't really take much of an interest in him. And when... Taki isn't getting abused or humiliated or berated. He is basically treated as a receptacle for their verbal diarrhea. Without exaggeration, he's subjected to these long, crass, and sort of vulgar harangues. And not just that, he even has to massage his boss's leg while he sits there in his underwear, and he has to babbles endlessly. And Taki, of course, needs the job. He needs the money, so he he has no choice but to just sort of sit there and take it.
3: να And so what you're watching over the course of this film is a, a
0: seemingly decent average man who's basically trying to trying to keep his head trying to stay afloat and keep himself from cracking while enduring all kinds of abuse and that of course is until the man that he's indebted to completely humiliates him again another disturbing scene and after that Taki finally has a break he snaps and he turns violent and I won't say any more obviously because I'd spoil it for you and it, it really is a great film, but again, some very, very heavy shit, some very, very dark subject matter. And I will say that it is a little bit predictable because, you know, it becomes apparent from very, very early on that there is nothing but an awful end awaiting Taki. There's no, there's no other way this story can go. You, it's, it's obvious that, that he won't be able to withstand all this abuse and all these problems for very long. And so you're basically watching him go through all this shit and wondering how much more of it he, he's going to take before he snaps, before he's driven to violence. And, of course, you're wondering who he's going to take it out on, because uh, there are a great many prime candidates. You know, there's a lot of people who mistreat him over the course of this film. And so, let's get to the casting notes quickly. Erico Olizzi comes back in this. He works with Ikonomidi again. He plays Taki. Uh, Vageli Muriki, a very important collaborator and creative partner in Economidi's life, uh, he plays Pericli. Taki's boss in the film, and he makes him massage his leg. He runs the workshop that Taki works at, and some say, you know, with those massage scenes, that there's a, a bit of a sort of a homoerotic subtext between him and Taki. There's certainly an argument to be made for that, but I'll let you watch the film and sort of draw your own conclusions. Sometimes I like to just go with the simpler answer and think this is just another form of humiliation that Taki has to endure and not much more. But uh, anyway, like I said, you see the film for yourself and draw your own conclusions. <laughs>
3: Η μικρή σου, η κόρη, η κορούλα σου. Καλά είναι όλα καλά. Καλά μια, ρε κατι καλά. Κολόπαιδα. Ο δικός μου, ρε Μάλακα, να δεις κάτι αρχιδία σαν πορτοκάλια. Όλο σηκωμένη την έχει ο μάλακας. Και γάμο τους ψολάραδες ο μπόμπος μου, ρε. Να
0: δεις, ρε Μάλακα, μια που έχει. Μαρία και Χαλιόγλου, πλαίς Taki's wife, who is serially unfaithful to him, and like I said, wants absolutely nothing to do with him. She has some some pretty rough scenes in this. She doesn't say very much. She doesn't have a ton of dialogue, but she really is asked to do a lot. And you'll understand what I mean when you see the film. And uh, it's a solid performance from her as well.
2: eh? kati? you, Σε ρωτάω, ρε, Μούγκα, τι έπαθες, ρε Τι έπαθες, ρε Τι έχεις πάθει, ρε Τι έπαθες, ρε, ή pessoas τα το νερό Τι έπαθες, ρε Τι κοιτάς, ρε Τι κοιτάς, ρε, τι κοιτάς, ρε Τι κοιτάς αβούδας, ρε
0: We have Yanni Vulgaraki, he comes back, he plays Yorgo, the lover of Irini, Taki's wife. The two of them are having an affair. Kosta Xikomno comes back as well. He plays Jimmy, the man that uh, Taki owes money to, in a completely different turn from him. Nothing like the character in Spiritokuto. In Spiritokuto, Xikomno plays a character who's a bit of a dummy, you know, not the sharpest tool in the shed, is easily influenced and easily convinced, you know, it doesn't take much to, to change his mind. And it's a great performance from him. Here as well, he is asked to engage in some, some very, very disgusting behavior uh, without giving too much away. And uh, he's great in this as well.
4: i you
1: not here, to you, to You not here, you not
0: Maria Naupiliotu plays Poppy, the wife of Xikomno's character Jimmy. And I think the most quoted line from this film is one that she says...
2: You, say, oh, boy,
0: We've got Sasa Kritsi, who plays Ageliki, Taki's sister. And we have Aleko Pangalo, who plays Costa, Taki's brother-in-law. And he's another economy, the regular. His first scene... With Litsi is especially great weather in the coffee shop, and Costa's again berating Taki and telling him that, you know, he wants nothing to do with his sister anymore, he's cursing him out, he's cursing his wife. It's just another example that Taki is surrounded by purely selfish people.
1: <laughs> <laughs> What do you me?
0: We have Yanya Nastasaki who plays Mimi, who is basically the, the closest thing that taki has to a friend. The two of them get together in uh, in the neighborhood square every so often, and of course, as per usual, it's Mimi who does all the talking and again, it's more verbal diarrhea and venting. And all these, these sort of crass and foul mouthed
5: harangues. Why you see Mimi? a little bit of am I'm What με I'm i to say, I'm going to say, i i
1: <laughs> and let's
0: just say that Taki gets fed up of hearing them at some point in the film, without saying too much. And lastly, we have Dimitri Xanthopoulou and Ernesto Vuciná. Who are two co workers of Taki's in the workshop, and they're basically a pair of degenerate misogynists. <laughs> and pretty much every scene they're in, they go on these rants, they go on these tirades, where they're talking about the women in their lives, and of course it becomes very apparent early on that they treat their women like shit, and that these are basically just two disgusting human beings, and it's just more toxic babble that Taki is subjected to. <laughs>
1: Γιατί ρε Νίκο; αυτό μου ρε πουτάνα; Για αυτό; Νίκο, και ξύλο μάνας. Δώσε και χώσε. Πουτσο και ξύλο στις φρένο. Πουτσο και ξύλο Να καταλάβουνε ρεμαλάκα. Πρέπει να ρεμαλάκα. Πουτσο και
0: And like I said at the top of the show, pretty much all of economy, these films explore the darker sides of human nature. But this film does it in easily the rawest and the most crude manner of all of them. And you'll understand what I mean when you see this film. And there's another there's another pattern, again, that shows up in all of his films to varying degrees, but you see a lot of it in this film, Sihir Sostoma. Another recurring thing you see in Ekonomi, these films, and it's become a sort of trademark of his, is the repetitive dialogue. A lot of characters in these moments of anger, passion, in moments of confrontation or discomfort, they'll repeat the same line over and over again. And some critics have given Economidi some shit about this, and maybe it has to grow on you. Certainly, it'll make you uncomfortable at times, and that's that's by design. I don't think that's an accident. But Economidi was asked about it in, in an interview that he gave, I think it was last year, and he gave an interesting explanation for it. He basically said that The people in his films, in Psychi especially, the, the characters in these films aren't particularly learned people. They're not very intelligent. Their repertoire, you know, their vocabulary is maybe limited to about 50 to 100 words. And in these moments of confrontation, moments of anger, moments of discomfort, instead of sort of marinating in the silence or just letting the tension hang... They would much rather fill the silence with just repetitive babble by saying the same thing over and over again or saying it with you know, a slight
4: variation. a of of Θα δείσω ότι ο, ο απλός ο κόσμος όταν είναι σε κατάσταση πάθους σε κατάσταση ένταση για για να γεμίσει το, το νεκρό χώρο, το, νεκρό, το, το empty space που λέμε ε, σε σχέση με τους Κανδιναβούς οι οποίοι επιλέγουν τη σιωπή mm. ε, εμείς επιλέγουμε τη φλιαρία. Ε, απλά ο, ο πολιτισμός μας επειδή είναι 50 λέξεων η κουλτούρα των ηρών μου ας πούμε ναι. είναι 50 λέξεις με στις 50 εκφράζουν αυτό που με εκφράσουν, αναγκαστικά επαναλαμβάνονται. Ή λένε το ίδιο πράγμα με διαφορετικούς τρόπους, με παραλλαγές και τα λοιπά. Ακριβώς για να γεμίσουν ε, αυτό το, 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 αυτό το, τη βαριά σιωπή που υπάρχει ανάμεσα στις σχέσεις. Mm-hmm. Έτσι. Ε, και αυτό, αν το, αν το παρατηρήσεις και με ταινίε, αλλά και στη πραγματική ζωή, ε, when talk and, whatnot, this. I heard this.
0: and it makes perfect sense. It's very hard for people in a fit of anger to, to, to properly articulate their beef, or, you know, what it is that, why it is that they're angry or irate. And certainly from my own personal experience, I've been in arguments with people who are much smarter than me and who have been able to articulate their grievances, you know, in the heat of anger. And uh, I got to say, it's a, it's a very rare and impressive skill. So uh, I see his point. And like I said, there are a lot of uncomfortable scenes and the imagery is pretty interesting as well. You see these, these recurring shots of these grimy street lamps, just the, the general sort of filth and seediness of this nondescript Athens suburb where the film is set. And an interesting casting note, for the role of Pericli, which was played by Vageli Muriki, Iconomidi had initially cast another actor in the role. And according to an interview I've read, the actor that was originally cast, I don't know who it was, he uh, ended up bowing out. After the first day of rehearsal, apparently the role was, uh, he was intimidated by the role. And Economidi and Muriki, they would frequent the same neighborhood in Athens, Exarchia, which I believe is where Economidi still lives. And they ran into each other one day. Economidi offered Muriki the role, he accepted. And except for Spirtokutov, Muriki's been in every one of Economidi's films. And he's not just one of his regular actors. They, they work on scripts together, they scout locations together. Uh, So he's become a very, very important creative partner of the as well, and he's a fantastic actor. Maybe maybe my favorite Greek actor. No two performances of his are alike. And uh, he doesn't work in television, doesn't do any work in the theater. He is strictly a movie actor, and he's great in this as well. A lot of quotable moments from him uh, as Pericles in this. Uh, And it was a rough shoot for Erico Lizzi. Again, a very, very demanding shoot from him, even though he's playing a completely different character. Again, he was put through a lot. I mean, his character has to endure a lot of shit, a lot of humiliation, and he's pushed to his limits. And there's one scene where he abruptly chokes uh, Maria Kechayoglu, who plays his wife, and Litsi basically scared himself to death after pushing himself to do that, uh, to the point where he just stormed off set, and he needed a bit of time to himself. And, you know, if it's any consolation, at least he gave his lungs a break after all that shouting he did in Spiritokuto, you know, for whatever that's worth. <laughs> because unlike Dimitri in Spiritokuto, the uh, Takis character in Psychiso Stoma, he listens much more than he speaks, but uh, anyway. Uh, so the film made it to a few festivals abroad. It was screened at the Cannes Film Festival as well, I think. And it was shown at the Chicago Film Festival as well and uh, a handful of other festivals in Europe. And so Economides' next film, his third Is titled Macherovraltis, or knifer in English. And this came out in 2010. And the central character of this film is Nico, who moves from northern Greece to the outskirts of Athens after his father dies. He takes a job guarding his uncle's dogs, moves into the bottom floor of his uncle's house, and soon after begins an affair with his uncle's wife, Gogo. And Nico lives in virtual isolation. He's on the edge of town in yet another sort of nondescript suburb, He's beholden to his uncle now, he works for him, he lives in his house, and his uncle Aleko is basically a prick. He's abrasive, he's belligerent, he treats his wife like shit, he's got all kinds of beefs with a bunch of people in the neighborhood, and, you know, toxic masculinity is a term that kind of gets thrown around a lot these days, but, I mean, Aleko certainly fits the bill. And again, like the other two wives in economy these first two films, Goro can't stand her husband. When the two of them aren't quarreling, she's basically just sort of freezing him out, and withdrawing and closing herself off. And meanwhile, like I said, Aleko's got some beef with people in the neighborhood, and he is afraid of reprisals. He thinks that his enemies are going to retaliate by coming after his dogs, which is the reason he's offered his nephew this job guarding them at the house. You'll take 800 months, man. You'll eat. Θα you will Θα You'll κάτω
1: στην in θα car, θα will get out of the car, you'll get out of the car, you'll do what you Πάρε και τα κλειδιά εδώ πάνω να ανέβω κατεβαίνεις. Τι συζητάω, ρε μαλάκα! Κοίταξέ με ρε Σε κόλα! Κοίταξέ με ρε θύε, κοίταξέ με! Σε κοιτάω, ρε μαλάκα! Ε, μοιάζω εγώ για φυλάκα σκυλών! Γιατί ρε! Πώς μοιάζει ο φυλάκα σκυλών! Πώς μοιάζει ρε μαλάκα ο φυλάκα σκυλών! And
0: sure enough, Aleko's enemies do attack him. They show up at his liquor store and throw him a beating. And in yet another humiliating scene, when Nico rushes to the hospital to see his uncle after the attack, his uncle berates him, humiliates him, embarrasses him in front of his wife and strangers who were in the hospital room. σκυλιά τώρα είναι το το Πρώτα σήμερα.
5: Πρώτα σου και μετά θείο σου τράβα πήγαινε πίσω στο σπίτι να μου σκυλιά. σου λεω. And
0: it's after that moment that Niko decides to kill him. And it's an old trope, right? And it's a very simple story and it's told at a very, very slow pace. And Nico is an interesting case as a character. Again, very much like Taki in Psychisto Stoma. He doesn't say very much. Neither does Gogo for that matter. And at the beginning of the film, we see Nico living in this factory town in northern Greece, in Ptolemaida. And he basically just spends his days killing time. He's got fuck all going on. He's unemployed. We see him bumming cash off his friends. He visits his father in the hospital. He eats and gets shit-faced with his buddies. He has the occasional lady over. So he really, really doesn't have much going for him at all. And he takes this job with his uncle. I mean, again, there's nothing keeping him in his hometown after his father dies. He has no obligations, no commitments, no attachments. And the job with his uncle is easy enough money. He basically just has to watch his two dogs all day. But again, he's beholden to his uncle. He lives a very, very isolated existence. It's a detached life. I mean, like I said, they're in this sort of remote, kind of isolated suburb on the outskirts of town. And sure, Nikoda really doesn't have many prospects, but he's also objectively lazy. He's what we would call a tebeloskilo in Greece. He's certainly not doing himself any favors. And so all this to say that in some strange and kind of ass-backwards way... I think that for Nico, killing his uncle and taking his place and becoming Coco's new man and basically just stepping into his uncle's life is easier for him than to try to make his own way. And to put it in simple terms, I mean, he'd be walking into a ready-made life. His uncle's got a wife, he's got a house, he's got a business. Pretty convenient arrangement, if you think about it. And there's another disturbing scene in this film, one that's very, very telling, where Nico leaves a bar and he's watching a drunk man sort of wander off with his girlfriend. He snaps at her and strikes her and later has a brief confrontation with Nico immediately afterwards.
1: But
0: instead of calling for help, Nico just wanders over to this woman. And he watches her. She's laying bloodied on the floor. And he steps on her face. And his satisfaction in doing that is apparent. And I think that's the moment where, at least mentally or psychologically, Nico becomes a murderer. That's where we see the side of him, where we finally believe that he'll probably be capable of going through with this and killing his uncle. And it's a black-and-white film, an anomaly in, uh, in Nico no catalog in that sense. There's a brief sequence in color, though, where Nico goes to a theater to see a show. And it's the only time we see him experience pure joy... Maybe even the only time we, we see him smile. We never even see him half as happy in his scenes with uh, with Roro, his uncle's wife. And ultimately, he goes through with a deed. He takes his uncle's life. He kills him. He takes his place. He becomes the man of his uncle's house with Roho as his wife. And at the end of this film, we're left thinking that maybe Nico and Roho are, are probably doomed for much of the same. To end up like Shia Leko Aleko did. But it's open-ended and it's it's left open to interpretation. So like I said, as always... You can see the film and draw your own conclusions. Let's get down to the cast. So, in the role of Nico, we have Stathis Stamulakato, who's another fantastic Greek actor, and another guy who quickly became uh, another regular of Economides. Economides had seen Stathis in a play and immediately thought he'd be perfect for the role of Nico. Uh, if you're hearing any background noise, it's uh, it just started pissing rain outside my window. Sorry about that. But I digress. So we have Stamulakato's Niko, as I said. We have Ageli Muriki comes back as his uncle Aleko. And very much like Perikli in Psychistostoma, he is foul mouthed, abrasive. But unlike Perikli in Stoma", Aleko and Machirovgaldi, he is naturally drawn to confrontation. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Έχεις βγει να δει τους κλεβίσνα, που το καταλαβαίνεις; Σου λέω. Αυτό που σου λέω. Λοιπόν, κατέβα κάτω, να μας δείπνασε κάτω από το μαγαζί κουράτα κουράτα. Όπως σου το λέω. Άντε, μην ανέβω από πάνω και σας πειρπολήσω γάμο την παναγιά του μεσανάπτυξης.
0: And we have Maria Kalimani, who plays Gogo, Aleko's wife, who begins having an affair with his nephew. Maria Kalimani is great in this as well, and she and Aleko. She and Vageli Muriki, excuse me, who play husband and wife, they have a great scene together. And it's shortly after Aleko's been attacked at his store. He's come out of the hospital. Of course, his wife and his nephew have been having an affair for some time at this point. Of course, he's he's not aware of it, you know, unbeknownst to him. And like I said, his marriage has gone to shit. And after this attack, Aleko and Roror are sitting at the dinner table, as per usual, saying very little to each other. And Aleko posits a suggestion of having a baby with Roror. Thinking that it will save their marriage and that it will bring them closer together, which of course is a terrible idea, but it's a great scene between the two of them, nonetheless. Oh? I was just thinking. I want
5: to do it,
2: baby. It's not thing, right? ti I? Heard it.
0: And we also have Yanni Voulgaraki, yet again comes back in a very very small part, and Petro Zervo, uh, they play friends of Nikos. During those early sequences in the factory town of Tolemaida, you don't see them for very long, but they're both economically regulars, you're going to recognize them when you see them. And lastly, Yanni Anastasaki, was also in Psychistostoma, he comes back in this as the angry, abusive drunk in this film, and it's, uh, again, another short but memorable and disturbing appearance, quite frankly. And aesthetically, it's very different from Economy These previous films, like I said before. It's in black and white, for one thing. It's a much, much more polished aesthetic than the first two. And again, a lot of one-shot takes in this. I think I mention it often enough for it to be a drinking game on this show, but in any case, um, <laughs> there's a few of those in here. And there are a lot of the, these sort of bleak and, quite frankly, depressing shots of this sort of barren and lifeless factory town of Ptolemaida in the north of Greece. And, like Economidi's previous films, it made the rounds at various film festivals, both in Greece and Cyprus, and it made it to a few abroad as well. And, like I said, Economidi hasn't had uh, a ton of success across the pond. I mean, he is known by film nerds and such, uh, in Europe especially, and he has a devoted fan base in Greece, but again, he's not attained a ton of commercial success in Greece, and uh, I'm going to talk a little bit more about that later, but in any case. So, after this, comes Economidi's fourth film, and that is Tomi Kropsari. The English title is Stratos, which is the name of the, the main character. But the title, the Greek title, Tomikroopsari, translates to The Little Fish. And this film came out in 2014. And it stars Vageli Muriki yet again. He's the leading man in this. He plays Strato, who's an ex-con who's in a very long prison stretch for killing some men in defense of a young woman. The details of that whole confrontation are, are never really revealed. And Strato is now working as a contract killer after getting out of prison so he can earn the money needed for a plot to hatch his friend Leonida out of prison. Leonida is an older man and he saved Strato's life in the joint and Strato naturally is indebted to him. This whole caper is run by Leonida's brother, Yorgo, who's a bit of a shady character and the plan is for them to dig a tunnel to the prison so they can bust in guns blazing, smuggle Leonida out and all that good stuff, right? And Strato... I mean, I think, I think it's fair to say that he isn't really doing this because he enjoys the criminal life. Odds are, he intends to go straight once his debt to Leonida is paid, and they've busted him out of prison. He's also working a job at a factory that produces baked goods. He has a day job. But unfortunately, Strato is basically dealing with a bunch of people who uh, don't have his principles, or don't really seem to have any principles, for that matter. Strato is very obviously a guy who lives by a code. He's a man of principle. He's respected by various people in the underworld who are aware of his past. But he soon learns that Leonida's brother, Yorgo and Leonida's wife, Maria, are in fact conning everyone who's contributing to this operation. He finds out through the grapevine that they've actually had Leonida killed in prison and that they fled with the money that was meant to finance this operation. So they've all been duped. Meanwhile, strato has been approached by a local mob boss who wants him to work for him. I
3: want to him on, with the and the re <laughs> 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 and to make
0: matters worse, Strato's health is failing. He's suffering from some undisclosed illness, we never find out what. Not that it matters, really. And Strato's two friends, Maki and Vicky, are indebted to this mob boss who wants Strato to work for him. And Vicky is a sex worker, she doesn't want to work a regular job, even when Strato has one for her. And we find out that she and her brother have made the decision to pimp out her underage daughter to this mob boss, who's agreed to knock off half their debt in exchange. Strato learns of this, and of course he decides to intervene. And in thwarting this sort of disgusting and sick plot, he is able to achieve some semblance of redemption. You know, which he was essentially deprived of when he was conned out of Leonie, the prison escape. And he can be at peace with himself after that. And again, I won't go into the details of the action Strato takes. Of course, I want you to see the film, and I hope you do. And there's a similarity here with Psychistostoma. Even though the two films are very different, there's a parallel between Strato and Rigolizzi's character, Taki, from Psychistostoma. One, they both seem to be decent men. I mean, all things considered, of course, you know, Strato kills people for money. He's no saint. But... Like I said, he seems to be a man of principle, he seems to have some kind of moral compass, at least compared to the people he's dealing with. And he's basically trying to navigate a very seedy and dangerous environment, where again, everybody is just in it for themselves. And again, we see Strato come to a point in the film where he has to draw a line in the sand and, and take action. And There is yet another telling scene, this one isn't disturbing, <laughs> uh, but it's a telling scene where Strato is tasked with shooting a young lawyer who swindled his brother out of some money. And Strato is asking him some questions, he wants answers. And after a little while the lawyer very calmly tells him, very plainly, that the big fish just eats the little fish. And that's the way of the world, it's the way it is. And yeah, there is some truth to that, but at least in the context of this film, it's a very, very self serving outlook, right, for a lot of the characters in this film. <laughs>
1: Again,
0: it's that recurring theme that explores these darker sides of human nature and human behavior, both from the people who are calling the shots, the people who are in power, and from the people who are beholden to them. And it is very much a neo noir film, it's made very much in that tradition, you know, from. The subject matter to the you know these sort of underworld characters and a lot of the tropes and interestingly enough there are a lot of parallels between this film and the film Le Samouraï directed by Jean-Pierre Melville we covered him in a previous episode if uh, you'd like to take a listen and there are especially a lot of similarities between Strato and the character of Jeff who's played by Alain Delon in Le Samouraï these are both very very solitary men they're men of few words both of whom live by a code of sorts they live very simple and austere lives far from materialists. And both these guys are kind of out of place in the modern world. Because again, Strato's been in prison for a long time. He's been out of circulation, for lack of a better phrase. And like Delon's character Jeff Le Samurai, Strato is basically trying to find a way to live in the modern world without compromising his principles. And that's basically what it comes down to. And so let's talk about the cast before we before we move on. Uh Vageli Muriki, like I said, plays Strato. He is absolutely fantastic in this. Again, very much like Takin Psychistostoma. He is a character who listens far more than he speaks. And Muriki's got that great sort of droopy and kind of sad and sullen face. <laughs> and it's especially fitting for the character, you know, a guy who's been in prison for many years and has kind of softened a little bit and isn't really all that interested in criminal life anymore. We have Vicky Papadopulu, who I adore. Uh, she plays Vicky in this, a friend of Strato, who's, who's, who, like I said, is a sex worker. And she would work with EconoMedia again after this. We're gonna talk more about that later. Petro Zervo, who I mentioned before, plays Maki, who is Vicky's brother, and the two of them, like I said, they decide to pimp out Vicky's underage daughter so they can get their debt cut in half. <laughs>
3: Αλλά οκ. Οκ. Αφού πληρώνω τόσο καλά, γιατί όχι. Εντάξει και το Κατερινάκι να ένα. Σε τα λάχανα, μου το κερατόμουν δηλαδή. Για να ξέρω, γάμιση μιλάμε δηλαδή, ξέρω, τρελάθομαι κιόλας.
0: We have Yanni Tzorteky, who plays Giorgo, the brother of Leonida, who is running the operation to smuggle him out of prison and, of course, turns out to be full of shit and a total charlatan and makes off with everybody's money. The circle of the battle of Stratulia was completed, and we gave it all the best, friends. They want or don't want, they can't
1: be afraid of the documents, friends. Do you understand? Are going to get to the table today? How did it do? Look at the table and see how it did. We have
0: Yanya Nastasaki, who plays Boyadzi, It's a nickname. Boyadzi is a painter. But he is the man who basically hires Strato as a hitman. He gives him his jobs. You know, he's pretty much the only other character besides Strato who isn't completely morally bankrupt. And this is the guy who deals in contract hits, so you know it's a pretty sad state of affairs. Uh, we have Yorgo Yannopoulos, who's another actor I love, who's done a ton of work in television. Uh, he plays Adoni Petropoulos, the mob boss to whom Vicky and Mackie owe money and who tries to recruit Strato and get him to work for him.
3: Postus Gamis, a set of Malacca, postus Pachoko, set of post. Postus Gamis. Mila Malacca, Mila. Post, 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 post. Postus Gamis, a set, postus SFax, a set of
1: we have
0: Sonia Theodoridou who plays Zenny, the wife of Petropolo. We have Popi Tsapanidou, who is a journalist and a TV presenter. Actually, she plays Maria, Leonida's wife, who is plotting behind everyone's back and, of course, makes off. With Leonida's brother and everybody's money, it's a brief appearance from her, and uh, it's a, it's a really great scene. She shows up at Strato's house and has what is initially believed to be a sort of heart-to-heart with him.
2: I don't know what I'll do now. I didn't mean to steal your things for years. You didn't steal them from me, did you, Malaka? Didn't steal them. Your life, or yours, or hers. The years, your life. You didn't say anything to me about Leonida. Did And
0: we have Omiro Poullaki who plays the lawyer that Strato shoots and basically utters the line from which the film's title comes. And lastly, we have Aleko Pagalo who plays Leonida. It's, a, uh, again, a short and brief appearance, but another memorable scene. Strato goes to visit him in prison and ends up getting berated and cursed out of the room. Uh, Aleko Pagalo actually, according to Economidi, was in very rough shape when they shot this film. They shot it in the prison. And according to Economidi, he had actually just undergone triple bypass surgery a few months prior to shooting. Uh, and he's great in this as usual.
3: What do you
0: expect? You can't go to work. Do it in the to What do you
3: say with this What do you say with this guy? What do you say with this guy? What do you say with this guy?
0: And Stathis Lakato and Maria Kalimani both show up in very short, but again, in two very, very uh, uncomfortable scenes, shall we say. And another thing I wanted to mention is that there are a handful of non professional actors in this film. This, again, is another thing the Economy likes to do and one that many directors have done before him. Cassavetes cast a lot of non-professional actors. Scorsese did as well, at least in his early work. You know, of course, his parents show up in a bunch of his films. I believe Gilles Pontecorvo cast non-professional actors for the Battle of Algiers, and Robert Bresson as well in the film Pickpocket, I believe. The leading man was a non-professional actor at the time. Uh, but in any case, so economy is one of many uh, directors who have done this, and uh, there are a handful of non-professional actors in this film. Petro Zervo, who's been in a handful of his films, in most of them. He plays Maki in this, and he is actually a cartoonist and an illustrator by trade. Uh, We have Sonia Theodoridou, who I mentioned before. She's an opera singer. Popi Tsapanidou, like I said, is a journalist and a TV presenter. And Aleko Pagalo, who I've mentioned a couple times, had very, very little experience as an actor when he started working with Economidi before Psychisto Stoma. And like Economidi's previous films, it's, it's very bleak, both in aesthetic and in tone. That's another similarity it shares with Le Samurai, Melville's film. And, again, it made the rounds in numerous festivals. It was submitted to the Berlin International Film Festival. It was screened there, which is a very big feather in the cap for Economidi. And a couple of years after this, in 2016, Economidi uh, ended up directing his first play, which was titled Stella Kimisou, and it stars Stathis Tamoulakato. He comes back in this. Eli Tringo, as well, who is a fantastic Greek actress and who is currently starring in a very, very popular soap opera in Greece called uh, Agrias Medices and Johanna uh, Koliopoulou, who plays Stella, the title character, and it's basically about a sort of domineering and dictatorial father, if you will, who uh, forbids his daughter Stella from marrying the man she loves, and, you know, complications and shenanigans ensue. There's a lot more to it, of course. The play had a limited run. Uh, it ran a few months, but it was very, very well received, and uh, Economidi enjoyed the experience very much. He is a director who likes to rehearse for a very, very long time, which, of course, lends itself well to working in the theater. ...for whatever that's worth, apropos of nothing. And so Economidi's fifth film, his most recent one, came out in 2020. And that film is Y Stripias Cartias, which translates to Ballad for a Pierced Heart. And this one's a crime comedy, and it follows a guy named Mano, who's a former singer... ...who's having an affair with a woman named Olga, and she is married to a wealthier older man named Irakli, And Diracli learns of the affair, he threatens the two of them, she ends up packing a bag to leave with Mano for a few days... And in just a moment of poor impulse control, basically, she steals one million euros from her husband on her way out the door. <laughs> and naturally, Herakli learns of the theft. He vows to have both of them killed. And after Mano discovers the stolen million in Olga's bag, he basically anticipates that Irakli is going to make a move on him, and so he decides to do the same and hire someone to kill him. And it's the, mo- the mothers of these two men who are sort of pulling their strings... They're both classic Mediterranean moms, you know, and they're both mamas' boys. You know, they dote on them, they cook for them. And it's the mothers who each plant the seed <laughs> for the two of them to hire contract killers to have each other whacked. And at that point, the film basically becomes a bit of a western, and Economides kind of described it that way. You know, it's the, the two families going after each other, and the film is set in a rural area. But, of course, the crime bosses, who have each been contracted to knock off the two sons, They learn of the million euros, so do their lackeys, and naturally shenanigans ensue, all these different characters into the mix, a variety of betrayals take place, you know, all in pursuit of this one million euros. And during all of this, Olga, who's basically the catalyst for this whole whole mess, she's totally oblivious. She's shacked up with Mano, she's trying to plan her next move, and she basically thinks that she'll just return the million euros to her husband, and, you know, everything will be hunky-dory, and she can leave and go back to her hometown and start over. And she has no idea, she has zero knowledge of the blood death that's about to ensue over the million euros that she's stolen. And basically she's the closest thing to an innocent among this whole cast of characters. And there are a few, uh, there are a few change-ups from Ikonomidi in this film. For one thing, this film is a comedy first, above all else. You know, in his previous films there's a sort of dark and twisted humor, but he admitted himself in several interviews that after making Tomiko Obsari*, he felt that he needed to make a comedy after, you know, dealing with this heavy and sort of bleak subject matter in his previous films.
4: Look, this <laughs> is a μετά την περιπέτεια του μικρού ψαριού και well. It's μπορώ να σου πω που έτσι αναμετρήθηκα με of the δηλαδή Psyche σε σκοτεινά νερά can tell Και ένιωσα την ανάγκη να κάνω μια ταινία χωρίς να υποχωρήσω ιδιαίτερα σε αυτά που πιστεύω και στην, στην έρευνά μου, ας πούμε, γύρω από τον Έλληνα, τον άνθρωπο, τις, τις καταστάσεις, ας πούμε, τις διάφορες, την Ελλάδα την ίδια. Ε, λίγο μια διαδικασία πιο ε, χαρούμενη και για μένα mm-hmm. και με τους του μου και, και σαν αποτέλεσμα.
0: And it's very, very much in the mold of those early Guy Ritchie films, you know, those old comedy crime capers, you know, like Snatch and Lockstock and Two Smoking Barrels, you know, with all these sort of moving parts and shady characters all going after each other and you're waiting to see how this whole mess is going to play out and who's going to be left standing at the end of it. And unlike his previous films, which were set in the suburbs and these sort of remote areas on the outskirts of Athens, uh, Balada is even more isolated in that sense. It's it's set in a town in rural Greece, even further away from the city. That said, the commentary from Economy is very similar to the previous films here, despite being a comedy. Because again, it's showing these darker sides of human nature. It deals with a great many characters who sort of lack a moral compass and again are very selfish. All they care about is what they stand to gain. And they're all basically looking to fuck each other over. That's the long and short of it. And trust me, that's a story that a lot of Greeks are familiar with, myself included. (laughs) Uh, And there's a bit of commentary on class here, too. For one thing, we have Irakli, who's this sort of wealthy industrialist. And we have Mano, his enemy, his nemesis, who is about to open an extravagant live music venue, and he's heavily in debt. So you know that stolen a million euros becomes a lot more attractive, and we have the criminal lackeys, you know these henchmen who decide to plot against their wealthy bosses. There are a pair of pig farmer brothers who show up, and they feel kind of disrespected by uh, the crooks who enlist their services. You know they they think they've been sort of dismissed as these hillbillies. But unlike Economy, these previous films, which are like I said a lot darker and more heavy-handed, let's say this film Balada deals with all these themes and all these usual sort of Economy these subjects with humor by taking the piss out of them. And that's something pretty much all of us are familiar with. It's one of the best ways to deal with the darkness and the, the lunacy around you and in your environment is, is to laugh at it, right? Pretty straightforward. And this is another thing I wanted to mention. There are a lot of misconceptions. One, just about the kind of guy economy is in general, just his general disposition, and what he's like as a director. Because again... A lot of people get the idea that he's this sort of militant and very demanding and strict director. I guess because of how dark his films are and just because of how demanding the performances are for the actors. But from what I've seen and from what I've heard from a lot of actors who've worked with him, Economide seems to me at least, as far as I can tell, to be a very sort of mellow and pretty affable guy. And he's he's said before that he likes to keep things very light on set. He likes to be very sort of gentle with his actors because, again, he's asking a lot of them. And, I mean, again, these actors keep working with the economy there, right? That pretty much tells you everything you need to know.
4: It's in a form of love. It's not a very big business and trust. I don't have to cry with the world because it's not in the world to cry. I don't think that when a relationship is broken or when a person is I'm get better than what I want υπάρχει και αυτή η ότι γίνεται για να έχουμε καλύτερη απόδοσης αυτά που κινηγάμε δεν
0: μενά αυτό And so let's, uh, let's talk about the cast. We have Yani comes back in this. He played the He plays Irakli in this, no, the industrialist whose wife is stepping out on him with
1: mano. μου δεν πρόκειται το πόδι μεσα στο με αυτό το σαπίδι
4: Καταλαβες ανολλα, που πηγες κατοχσωνιστος αυτο το καθηγητε; Ε; Γιαπες,
1: την λάμνια, την ηφίτσα, έ; το βόθρο, το ερπετό, τη λάμνια ρεπούστη, την ηφίτσα, που σε δίπλο σε σε σε
0: comes back, in this as Olga, his wife, who steals the million euros and basically sets. The film's entire story in motion, uh, and she is great in this as well. Like I said, the only character who really has even a shred of innocence.
3: Τι να σου πορεμάνω;
2: Να πάμε στην πάτρα να κάνουμε ένα νέο ξεκίνημα. Να αρχίσουμε από το μηδέν. Οι δυο μας. Δεν μπορά άλλος εφτιγολοπόλη. Δεν την αντέχω άλλο. Θέλω να φύγω από εδώ. Και θέλω να γυρίσω στο σπίτι Στην πάτρα. Ναι, εμάνω στην πάτρα, γιατ Θα πάμε εκεί πέρα θα μας βοηθήσουν τη δική μου στην αρχή να μείνουμε λίγο μαζί του με θα βρούμε δύο μέρη μα δούμε πως το κάνουμε. Και στο κάτω κάτω και εσύ τι κάνει εδώ πέρα. Μέρα με τη μέρα βουλιάζει. Το μαγαζί πάει σκατά.
0: Ο Βασίλη μισμίκη, ο πλασμένο, had actually acted in a short film with Economidi. Economidi is an actor, I forgot to mention as well. He showed up in supporting parts primarily in, in a bunch of films of late. He's actually gotten a fair bit of work as an actor. But in any case, Economidi and Bizbiki starred in a short film together called Go for Broke, Ola Ya Ola, which came out in 2018. I'm assuming that's where he and Bizbiki met. And so he cast Bizbiki in this Mano, the former nightclub singer who is up to his ass in debt and uh, is having this affair with Olga. And now I'm from I'm from behind, and I'm from behind. Τώρα την άλλη έχω εγώ τη φάση, καταλάβει. Είμαι εγώ το
4: αφεντικό. Και όλα αυτά που λένε για τον Μάνο και καλά, ότι τέλο πάντων ήταν απίθαρμο, ότι ήταν αλητάμπουρα, ότι δεν είχε λόγο και γι' αυτό του κόψαμε το τραγούδι και αρχίδια και αυτά. Μαλακίε του μπάνο. Μαλακίε του μπάνο. Ναι, είμαι αυτό που είμαι. Και ήμουν. τσαμπουκάσα. Ό,τι ήθελα να κάνω, το έκανα. Όχι, θα καθόμουν με του κατατζίδες, του γαμημένου, να πούμε, να μου γαμίσουν η ζωή απένα φάρμακα για να βγούω τραγουδήσω. Η μαϊμού με τα φάρμακα
0: μου, να... τι δεν δε, δε, Statista Mulacato comes back. Yet again, he plays Glaro, who is the right-hand man of one of the crime bosses who gets involved in this whole caper, and he owns the house where Mano and Olga are staying, the house that they've absconded to.
1: Canún se trauguiaré. <laughs> Ochina mu to kani spali burdello kiperá. Debezi afti ti fora Mano. Afti ti fora debezi ni teleftea. Mia
0: tu klefti, djo tu klefti. Muriki comes back yet again. Like I said, he has been in every one of these films except the first. He has a smaller part in this, but again, a memorable part, and he plays a hitman who gets involved. And Yorgo Yanopoulos comes back as well. He plays this sort of third-rate Greek nightclub singer who's performing at the Mano's club. <laughs> Aleko Pagalo comes back yet again in a small part. He plays a receptionist at a hotel. And yet again, Economidi cast uh, a handful of non-professional actors in this, namely the two women who play the two mothers. Two very, very important characters in this film. We have Sofia Cunha, who plays the mother of Mano, Kira Liki. Sofia Cunha is actually a mathematician by trade, no acting experience
2: at all. <laughs> <laughs> and we
0: have Vasiliki Kalimani, Maria Kalimani's mother. Uh, she plays Kira Fotini, Demira's mother and again she was uh, she was not an actress by trade but again Economedia likes rehearsing and he had met Vasiliki Kalimani and I think he had to convince her daughter to let her to let her play the part
2: ego imaras ego tas voithiso ego ego prohora ne ne prohora
4: never to get it for din e i
2: am she never to make ano ya mi sou poio te pota chirotera Γιατί στάλεγα εγώ, ρε μπαλάκα, στάλεγα εγώ. Δεν σου είπα ρε άχρηστα άνθρωποι. Ρε πλάσμα. Δεν σου είπα μακριά από αυτήν την Στόπα ή δεν στόπα. Ε, μ' Τι έγραψες του κεφαλιού σου. Αε, καθάρισε τώρα. Αε, καθάρισε τώρα.
0: And the both of them are absolutely fantastic in this. And again, there's that sort of class dichotomy between the two of them as well. You know, Sofia Cunha's character, Aliki, is a little more plain. You know, she's clearly the, the working-class mother between the two of them. Whereas Vasiliki Kaliman, you know, she's always properly dressed and dolled up and not a hair out of place. You know, she's the sort of well-to-do of the two mothers. We have Adonis Lariadi, who plays Tseko, one of the local crime bosses. And he is actually the uncle of Ikonomidi's wife. Again, another amateur actor. Uh, he's lived in L.A. for many years, and Economide finally convinced him to play a role in one of his films, and he's great in this as well. Petro Zervo, yet again, comes back. He plays the other crime boss who gets involved, Kiryorgo, And lastly, we have Adoniko Zia, who plays Saki, one of the henchmen. He is not an actor, but he has worked in television and film for a long time, but as a digital effects artist. And like I said, economy. they rehearsed for about five or six months. I believe they shot the film around Lamia, which is a town in central Greece, Esterea Elada. If there's one gripe I have about this film, it's the score. It was composed by Jean-Michel Bernard and, you know, it's a little jazzy and it's very much in the tradition of those old crime film scores from like the late 60s, early 70s. Kind of like uh, the music Lalo Chifrin did for Bullet, you know, the Steve McQueen film. And I love that music and I love those old jazzy scores from the old noir films as well. But uh Bernard's music in this film it's it's out of place it It doesn't fit the era it doesn't fit the setting. It's not doing it for me. I gotta have more cowbell! that said, it is a really, really fun film if you want if we're talking strictly replay value, this one probably has this one probably has the best replay value of all of Economy these films and again, if you're familiar with those old sort of crime caper films and and Guy Ritchie's early stuff, I think you're gonna enjoy this but again, it's done economy these way, right It's his aesthetic, his kind of humor. And the film was actually released, like I said, in 2020, right before the the first lockdowns and all the pandemic craziness began. I think it was released at the beginning of March. And between lockdowns, when things had reopened in Greece, you know, sort of intermittently, uh, the film was re-released. And it was made available uh, through online screenings as well. So there are basically these, these online platforms where you buy a ticket for a scheduled showing, you know, the way you would at just a regular movie theater. Thanks to that, the film was able to make some money, it's been very well received, and it seems to have done well. And so today, Economidi's first film, Spiritokuto, is actually being adapted for the stage as, as a musical. I think it's going to be a rock opera. And Lena Kitsopoulou has a, a small part in Balada. She's going to be directing it, if I remember right. Spiritokuto has been staged as a play once before. I don't think it was a musical, but it was staged back in 2006, I think it was. And not just that, Economedia is currently planning his next film, which he's actually co-written with Vagili Muriki. Like I said, the two of them have become very close friends and creative partners. But unfortunately, it's probably going to be a while before we see that film. And this is something I wanted to talk about as well. Uh, regarding Economidi and his output in his career. So, Economidi's first four films have each come out four years apart, and there were six years between Tomikropsari and Balada, his last film. And Economidi, as yes, he's, he's admitted, that's partly due to the fact that he worked for an especially long time on the screenplay for Balada, he reworked it extensively. But unfortunately, as he said himself in interviews before, it is very, very difficult to be a prolific filmmaker in Greece, to keep a steady output and to work as often and as frequently as you would like. For one thing, the industry in Greece is very, very small. Like I said, a handful of directors have emerged in Greece in the past 15 to 20 years and they've had, they've had acclaim abroad. Economide hasn't enjoyed uh, those accolades so much. But the point being is that filmmakers in Greece often have to basically fend for themselves. They have to cobble the money together from various sources, oftentimes, so they can basically get a production together, and that can take up to several years. And even after production and shooting is done, I mean, finding a distributor is an enormous pain in the ass if you don't have a studio or some big shot backing you. And perhaps worst of all, and Economidia has lamented this in interviews before, uh, Economidia is of the mind that Greek filmmakers are rarely ever supported or promoted within Greece, especially if their films are these sort of harsher social commentaries like Economides are that cast an unflattering light on the state of things in Greece. And like I said, that's what Economides' films do. They explore the less desirable and often repulsive behaviors of a segment of mostly lower-middle-class people in modern Greece. It's interesting he, he was asked in an interview after Balada came out if he could identify a thread or something that sort of ties his five films together and I loved his response he said that his body of work if he had to sum it up is basically a study on Greek trash hence the title of today's
4: episode <laughs> Και από εκεί μέσα υπάρχουν οι αναλύσεις, δηλαδή θα λέγαμε ότι είναι μία εργασία πάνω στο Greek Trash (χ) και όπως αυτό εκφράζεται στι διάφορες του μορφές, (χ) κοινωνικά, συμπεριφερολογικά, ανθρωπολογικά, πολιτικά, αισθητικά, Onnologically, uh, psychologically, And right?
0: <sighs> And, you know, many like to think, and a lot of critics have talked about this as well, that his films are basically about the social and moral collapse of Greece, which was brought on by the financial crisis. But, yeah, maybe there's some truth to that, but I also think it's a little too convenient an explanation. For one thing, economy these first two films, Spirtocto and they both came out well before the financial crisis and they're still thematically consistent with the three films that came out during and after the crisis second of all Economides has said in several interviews that he is concerned with human nature more than anything else and how the darker sides of human nature sort of manifest in today's greece which is the greece that he knows and the greece that i know and if you look at a lot of these characters that show up in Economides' films i mean most of them are immoral, they're selfish, they're horribly flawed at the very least. They take very little interest or concern for the people around them, the people in their lives, and they're even willing to betray them and fuck them over without much deliberation if there's something in it for them. And trust me, I know many stories like that, not just from my own experience and my family experience, but even from other people that I know in Greece. And again, Economides films, their characters are primarily lower-to-middle-class people. Many of them are up to their asses in debt. And they would much rather do sort of repulsive and inexcusable things uh, if it means it'll sort of loosen the vice instead of doing the right thing. I mean, you look at Vicky and Tomikropsari, she's a young woman, she's capable of working. Strato has a job for her at the factory where he works. He tells her brother Maki about it, and he basically looks at him like he's out of his fucking mind. And Vicky would quite simply rather remain a sex worker and pimp out her own daughter than do things, you know, on the straight and narrow. <laughs>
3: And
0: if there's one overarching thing, I mean, you know, like I said, we're talking about the darker sides of human nature. We see all kinds of depravity in economy, these films, all five of them. There's verbal and physical abuse, misogyny, bigotry, serial and brazen adultery theft, murder, you name it. Pretty much everything that goes into this sort of toxic, bully-based of shit. And that goes for the women as well. The women in Economidi's films are very, very interesting characters, and they're not innocents, besides Olga, like I mentioned before, Vicky Papadopoulou's character in Balada. Besides that, there isn't an innocent in the bunch. However, interestingly, Economidi and several critics have mentioned that a lot of the women in his films basically have to adopt some of the less desirable male behaviors as a way of sort of surviving in a man's world. And you can certainly make that argument for Maria in Spiritokoto, the wife. She's been hurt by her husband, he is kind of dictatorial and belligerent. He's basically a fascist in his own house. And like I said, she gives as good as she gets, if not better.
2: Eh then is to spit Huh? You're not the <laughs>
0: but that theory doesn't really seem to apply to me to Economy, these other female characters, especially the supporting female characters in Tomikropsari, you know, Maria Leonida's wife, Zeni, the, the wife of the mob boss, and especially, perhaps above all else, the two mothers in Balada. I don't see these women as women who just have to survive in a man's world and are doing questionable things to do so, that kind of theory, to a certain extent, it's also a little too convenient, right? Because it it removes these women's sense of agency, their accountability, essentially. And again, you look at the mothers in Balada, I mean, these are not... They're not ginekules, as we would say in Greece. They're not these sort of servile or subservient women who are basically at the mercy of these sort of toxic and abusive spouses. The two mothers in Balada are pulling their son's strings, no question about it. These aren't women who are basically acting as the men do so they can become worthy adversaries. At least not in my mind. I don't know, I could be totally wrong. Like I said, you can watch these films and draw your own conclusions because, as I always say on this program, what the fuck do I know? But in any case, and also for the repetitive dialogue, that trademark of Economides that I mentioned before that shows up in pretty much all his films, like I said, some critics are a little dismissive of it, And like I said, it does make you uncomfortable because it often shows up in these moments of anger, these moments of confrontation. At the same time, I mean, great art often does make you uncomfortable, for one thing. And second, Economide has said in interviews before where he's been asked about this, that kind of behavior is something that he's witnessed himself. And he's also said that the fact that his films are as quotable as they are, like I said, he has a very, very loyal fan base. And a lot of dialogue from his films has kind of been immortalized. So he's basically said that the fact that his films are quoted as often as they are is kind of a testament to the authenticity in that repetition.
4: And is the world an enormous, large number of people. And this is real. It is real. It is a large, a part of Greece. is it is not, η a Christos, a man, a man who is carried away by monads
0: and so on. And the answer is, yes, this world
4: I in this world, Σε αυτόν τον κόσμο ζω. Τι θέλει να κάνω, δηλαδή, να πω ιστορίε για εξωγίνου. Λέω ιστορίε ελληνικέ μέσα από Έλληνε για Έλληνε. Εξού και η μεγάλη επιτυχία των ταινιών μου μετά. Που τι βλέπει η Ελλάδα, α πούμε. Και όχι μόνο τι βλέπει, τι αποστηθίζει κιόλα. Έτσι. <laughs> και τι μαθαίνει για απ' έξω σύρα, φυρά, και τι βλέπει. Μπράβο, και τι μαθαίνει απ' έξω και τι
0: βλέπει ξανά και ξανά και ξανά. Και ακόμα με αυτόν τον κρυμμένο και σύδητο μηχανισμό που έχει uh, and the characters in it, he said that another interesting point he made was that if a character you see on screen, and in the interview I'm thinking of, he was referring specifically to Vagel Muriki's character in Balada, he said that if, if a character you see on screen has a whiff of truth to him or her, then the odds are that that character, that person, exists somewhere out there in real life, right? Pretty straightforward.
4: Anemis, ne. Stimpragmatosi. Αυτή τη κατάσταση καταφέρουμε να κάνουμε τους ήρωες και τους χαρακτήρες που ενσαρκώνουν και ζουν την κατάσταση αληθινούς, έτσι. Άρα αυτοί οι άνθρωποι κάπου εκεί έξω υπάρχουν. Ο ο, ο, ρόλος του Μουρίκη π.χ., ο Ντίνος, ο Πακετούλης. Αν αυτό το πράγμα κινηματογραφικά, σαν κινηματογραφικό ήρωας, μυρίζει αλήθεια, ισχύσει πάνω στο πανί, and
0: of course, I mean, it goes without saying, but all the behaviors and these signs of human nature that he explores in, in his films, of course, they aren't unique to Greek people. And I think it's it's also important to mention that this commentary, this social commentary that you see in his films, it doesn't come from a place of resentment, it doesn't come from a place of self-loathing. Like Economy, they will tell you, he's a Greek filmmaker, he has roots in Greece. Δηλαδή,
4: για μένα το παράπονο μου είναι αυτό, ότι. Πώ το πω, παιδί μου, Εγώ δουλεύω με την Ελλάδα.
0: Δηλαδή. Δουλεύω ω Έλληνα καλλιτέχνη. Δηλαδή, ναι.
4: δουλεύω για τη χώρα μου, για την πατρίδα μου, για τον τόπο μου, για του ανθρώπου μου. Δηλαδή, για, για την Ελλάδα έχω να πω κάποια πράγματα. Δεν με ενδιαφέρει να πω να πω τι ιστορίε τη Αμερική, α πούμε, Χαίστηκα, ή τη Γαλλία, ή δεν ξέρω τι. Δηλαδή, δεν, δεν θεωρώ τον εαυτό μου, δηλαδή, επαγγελματία. And I
0: remember reading in an old interview that he said that this sort of blunt and harsh commentary that you see in his films actually comes from a place of hurt. He grieves for Greece, and rightfully so. Did you look at Greece's recent history, it hasn't had a moment's respite. Even if you take it back a couple centuries, we've had a revolution that lasted close to a decade in the 1820s, we've been through two world wars, of course, and we were occupied by three countries at once in the Second World War. Internal strife, there was the the military huda that ran from 67 to 74, the financial collapse, civil unrest, corrupt governments, relations with Turkey are very, very tenuous, and that's probably putting it lightly. So even today, years after the financial crisis first began, Greece is still very much a country in crisis politically, economically, socially, culturally, you name it. And that's the Greece Economidia lives in. That's the Greece he, he depicts on film. It really is just that simple. And I grieve for Greece too, to be honest. It's a very, very difficult and very sorry state of affairs over there. I won't get into it because then I'm going to have to talk politics and this show is not a political show. I do not want to talk politics here. But in any case, all this to say that Economy basically holds up a mirror to modern Greece with his films. And like I said, it comes from a place of hurt. And interestingly enough, uh, I heard in a recent interview he gave that this next film that he has co-written with Vageli Muriki uh, is going to deal with the sort of fallout from the financial crisis and uh, life in Greece after the fact a little more head-on. I think that the commentary is going to be a little more direct. His films don't really have much political commentary in them, and I, he has talked politics here and there in interviews in the past. From what I understand, it doesn't seem to me that he supports any party in particular, and I, I believe he was a, a bit of an anarchist in his youth. Uh, He does have a lot of disdain for Greek politicians in general, and rightfully so, a lot of them are just pure scumbags, and that's putting it lightly, but in any case, like I said, he's going to have a lot to say in this next film of his, and hopefully it won't take four or five six years for us to see it. So that is all I got for Yanni Economidi. I'm very, very sorry to end it on a bit of a downer. Like I said, his films are very heavy. The subject matter is very, very dark, and it's often treated in a very sort of heavy-handed way. As you can tell, I mean, Economidi is not just a personal favorite of mine, but again, being a Greek man, of course, I can relate to a lot of what's depicted in his films, and I kind of sympathize with, uh, with a lot of his views of modern Greece. So I'm sorry I ended it on that note, but <laughs> in any case. So that's all I got for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank you for supporting the show and tuning in. Please uh, tell your friends, for one thing. And uh, like I said, wherever it is you get your podcasts, please don't forget to like, subscribe, leave comments, ratings, reviews. Anything you can do is greatly appreciated and uh, will help the show uh, tremendously. And I forgot to do this at the top of the show. I want to remind you that you can follow the show on the Instagram at podcast. That is podcast. Uh, That's where I post updates of who we're going to be covering next on the show and when you can expect new episodes. The schedule is the first week, the first Thursday or Monday of every month. It varies, but I usually post a firm date on Instagram. Uh, But you can pretty much always expect a new episode from me within the first 10 days of every month. And also... You can reach us by email at closedsetpod at gmail.com That is closedsetpod at gmail.com Any questions, comments, feedback, constructive criticism, I say it every episode, you know what to do. Feel free. That good stuff is always welcome. And thank you again. I hope you enjoyed. I hope you will give Economy these films a look. Uh, and I highly recommend watching them in chronological order. Every one of them is worth a watch. But there will be many uncomfortable moments, I have to warn you. So, uh, you know, brace yourself. <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's all I got. So, this is where I leave you. Thank you again. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye.
1: Για να πούμε ότι υπάρχει ελληνικό σινεμά με, με κάποιο τρόπο, σημαίνει ότι η Ελλάδα το αναγνωρίζει από μόνη τη ω προϊόν. Καλλιτεχνικό. Και ο Έλληνα. Γιατί δεν αγκαλιάζει, ας πούμε, γιατί δεν αναγνωρίζει, μάλλον, το προϊόν της η Ελλάδα, Πράγμα το οποίο έκανε σε πιο, με πιο εμπορικό τρόπο, αλλά το έκανε το 60.
4: Προφανώ υπάρχει πρόβλημα επικοινωνίας, πρόβλημα... Ξέρεις, εσύ που είσαι και με τον κινηματογράφο, ίσως εσύ πρέπει να να βάλεις κάποιες ιδέες κάτω. Δεν ξέρω, ίσως δεν έχει τι να πει, ίσως είναι άτολμο αυτό που λέει, ίσως είναι πολύ σε μία μετριότητα, ίσως είναι πολύ ψεύτικο αυτό που που λέει. Με έναν τρόπο δυσκολεύεται το ελληνικό σινέμα να εμβολήσει. Να εμβολίσει το ενδιαφέρον και την ψυχή και το μυαλό και το βλέμμα του Έλληνα θεατή, με έναν τρόπο.